In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 376. That's right. The final issue of season one of uh, The Green Lantern. That's what we're talking We're referring to these as seasons now, right? Isn't that what we're supposed they're, to be doing? They're referring, they're referring to this as, as seasons now. I don't know when in their infinite wisdom they decided to, hey, you know, we should call these these years. Seas-. It's stupid, I think. I think it's too much trying to be like. TV and everything else. It's a. It's the end of the first friggin' year. I mean, unless they're gonna just naturally, unless we're gonna fall into these traps where they're always gonna give us gaps now between, which is even stupider, to have gaps between you know when one, twelve issue arc, you know, one year's worth of issues end. It's like oh we're gonna take a few months off and then I don't know. I I I've it's just it's just it's just a. It's kind of pet peeve. It doesn't make any sense to me why why they do that. But yes, they want us. That's how they want us to refer to this as these a season of green, the, the first season of the Green Lantern. <laughs> um. So uh, before we get into the issue, we're just going to do a little bit of uh, feedback over uh, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> this is this is partly just to to sort of uh, get because we're going to talk about something towards the end of this episode or at the end of this episode that's going to lead into a bit of a conversation. And I figured uh, I figured some of this feedback might kind of tie in because on the 21st, I tweeted out the happiest of Batman days to you guys out there. Hashtag Batman 80 and hashtag long live the bat. Those are the hashtags that were being officially used by DC. And I used the photo of Hal Jordan punching out Batman in Green Lantern Rebirth. <laughs> um and as a result of that, obviously a lot of uh, feedback and stuff. But I did talk about um, uh, that. It, it mentioned again that uh, you know DC is doing uh, or Marvel's doing more with symbiotes than uh, DC is doing with uh, with Green Lantern on one of their alias properties. Uh, and Dan calmly reminded us that uh, we do have Far Sector, which starts next month. So yeah, let's take the over and under, and how long that's going to last. I don't know. I saw. Um, I don't know if it was a preview or just like a first page, or maybe a solicit. I don't know what I saw, but I saw something that made me a little bit more psyched up for it. it might have been in the recent previews. I'm not sure. Um, I'm 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 curious about it. Let's put it that way. Like. Uh, no longer just idle curiosity of a you know hey another Green Lantern book. It's just uh, uh, some of the art looks pretty cool, uh, and I'm I'm more curious about the concept now too. But I'm still 
uh, cautiously optimistic, I guess we'll say. <laughs> well, Jim showed Jim showed me a link to an article about it, which makes it seem really like it's you, you have a whole lot of you, you you have the whole idea that you have somebody who has no idea what they're talking, no idea like from a background perspective on Green Lantern at all, and somebody who doesn't who falls into the hey, why is you know why is basically Hal Jordan white? You know why that that kind of that kind of criteria? Why isn't it, why isn't it John Stewart? And and others and other stuff that I read in the interview, which indicated that okay, so it kind of looks like we, it kind of looks like you have a a potential of a very 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 non Green Lantern experienced writer with a with the whole especially reading this what the plot. You know, kind of what the subtext is it is with like a SJW agenda. So it doesn't really, it doesn't really light my fire. Like this is likely to be a, a really an, a super interesting book um, or something that's going to appeal to me overly. I have it on my pull list, so we're, so I have so we certainly have. There's no reason why we're not going to talk about it when it comes out. We might as well do it. We don't have much other stuff to talk about other than Green Lantern, you know, hot topic related from 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 the, from the book perspective. But am I am I am I overly excited about it? No. I mean, I, I, shit. I'd rather have a Jessica Cruz monthly than that. So, <laughs> which isn't to say uh, that Jessica Cruz, you know, I, I, mind you, the key thing is remembering I did not say I'd prefer a Simon Bass monthly. <laughs> That's the important thing, people. Then, then you would know I'm going to the bottom of the barrel. I didn't mean to imply that Jessica's like just no. I'd be I'd be much more interested in Jessica Cruz book than than this kind of oh, it's like a set in the future and you got all this and you got all that and it's like and I don't get me wrong, I like the Jeff Johns run, but it seems like her her whole knowledge of of pre- preparing for writing this book was doing a crash course on reading the Jeff Johns era, which you know. For, which again, for some people, that's just going to make them just that's going to make them age like like five years just by reading that paragraph. But to me, I mean, like I I'm, I like the Jeff Johns era, but if you know, but you still probably should, if you were going to do background, I, I just go back to thinking of Van Jensen and everything, <laughs> all the background work that he did, and then it's like, oh, I'm going to agree with it, and it's like I'm just going to go from Jeff Johns going forward, which is, but either way, I'm not criticizing her for that. At least she's doing some research as opposed to just completely half-assing it. But we'll see. I it's I don't want to go monopolize your your topic, but no, yeah, it's, no, no it's but it's but Jim and I did talk about it relatively recently, so it didn't seem like anything that it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in either one of us at the moment. I would assume we'll we'll probably will we do you think it make it its own episode or do you want to just kind of lump it in? These are the lantern books that came out in the month of. Let's, sort of a situation. Let's see what it's like first. Let's 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 not commit ourselves until we actually read the till the first issue comes out. We actually read it and then have an idea of what you know. I mean, the first issue might be the first issue might be worth reviewing on its own, regardless. But let's just but let's wait. We, you know, reserve judgment until we actually get an idea of what this book is like, and then see if it's worth actually t- t- tackling this. You know, as the issues come out, or just. You know, doing it in in arcs or doing it in, yeah, you know, every three issues we cover it. We'll see. I mean, yeah. and we don't even know how long it's going to last. I mean, this does it doesn't it doesn't sound like it's a book that has a long shelf life in it naturally. <laughs> it really doesn't. But uh, but as we know, it depends if somebody if DC wants to prop it up for because for, for if they have master plans for something, then then there's always a chance something survives longer. Right. 
Um, so I, uh, I, I the recent issues of previews came out, and flipping through the um, the DC previews, I noticed something, and I I, uh, I did some math. So I posted over on Twitter. I said I got curious about something, so I counted. Of the recent DC Comics solicits, 31.11% of the new content is Batman family related. 38.46% of the collected editions is Batman family related. Batman family used here to describe all bat related heroes and villain content. In all seriousness, because I'm truly not trying to start a fight between fans, Batman fans, do you really want this many bat titles? Joker books, Harley books, Batman ongoings, Batman minis, Batman-centric arcs, Batgirl, Batwoman, Robin, Nightwing, etc. Can you even read it all? And uh, we got a couple of replies. Uh, Marcus uh, says, uh, honestly, it feels like complete overkill to me. Um, Zach Oman says, but hey, there is Far Sector. Uh, uh uh, B. Cruzel said, I'm biased. I think Kyle should have a New Guardians type book again and back to a White Lantern. And then Bob uh, uh, kind of uh, responded in a different way and said, I thought about this a little bit and tried something to see if maybe we're getting the context wrong. So if we say, do you really want this many Justice League books? Justice League means all books following in uh uh, original eight character, this would cover about 70% of DC's output. So maybe it's not quite fair to partition off the greater Gotham landscape. It's a very important piece of the DC universe, and while it probably is done with marketing factors in mind, every book under that umbrella doesn't only serve to advance the Bat mythology, maybe. Because we've been talking about, uh, and it's not just something we've been talking about, a lot of fans have been talking about for a while now, the sheer amount of Bat titles um, that have been coming out. Uh, the, I remember, I think the most recent time we mentioned it was uh, following uh, San Diego Comic-Con and the announcements made there. Um, and, I mean, there's now a... Uh, there's we're, we've got some Joker stuff happening, the Joker movie, of course, and the the new Harley series that's come out. Uh, we're still expecting that three Jokers arc at some point in the future from Jeff Johns. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, Jeff. I think I think fundamentally there's a difference between Bat Family and Justice League. I've thought about it because Bob tweeted that uh, to us in response uh, three days ago. So I've had you know some time to think about it. I, I don't I don't know what quite the distinction is in my head of saying you know the, what the difference is between calling a Nightwing, a Robin, a Batwoman, a Batgirl book, or a Joker Harley book, a Bat Family book, as opposed to a Justice League book. Like how those two comparisons aren't inherently the same thing in, in one way, shape or form. I get what he's saying there, but at the same time, I'm also, there's a distinction in my mind that I'm not quite clear on the definition of, but I thought I'd bring it up because I know it's something you mentioned too, just the, the sheer uh, amount of bat titles that we've had in recent months. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like there's way too much Batman product. I mean, I understand it's, it's, he's their cash cow, but my God, every, even just looking at some of the merchandise, you know, when they're announcing like the, uh, like the deceased figures that they're coming out with. And of course they're, they're almost all Joker. I mean, Batman dominated. 
to start with. It's like it just gets, you know, it it gets old and it gets it just reminds it. Rem, and we see this with Marvel, but it kind of fluctuates. More Marvel seems to go through you know, the ebb the ebb and flow. It's like now, you know, you could make it. You could try to make a case that you know the symbiote stuff is kind of into. So that's but that's. But there's no reason to think that really realistically is going to last as far as if they are pushing it super heavily that it's going to be something that's going to catch on now when it really hasn't been super, super huge before. But we've seen what Deadpool relatively recently. You can make a case. Uh, Spider-Gwen is a good example of that, something that just the drug of the moment that they, get, that they go crazy with. And obviously Wolverine and the X-Men for the longest time were – and I'm not saying that the X-Men still aren't popular, but I don't think the X-Men are as popular now as they overall as they were probably from the from the some point in the 90s going forward for a lot, a lot of the 2000s. How they were the they were basically they, they were Marvels bookwise. They were Marvels probably cash cow. But Batman, yeah, it gets, maybe it gets old a little bit more just because it's just Batman all the time, all the time. And if it's not Batman, it's Superman. So. Maybe if I like clearly if I maybe if I like Batman more it would be less annoying but it just seems like it's it's way way too overkill so many books and so many different titles related to Batman and yes the ba- and I there is a difference between that and the Batman family too but still it's it fall you know it it all comes back you know to the same basic umbrella you know the, the top it's all under the same umbrella it's like when it's like after. Superman came back, and you had you know the, you had the the Steel Book, and you had Superboy, and you had you had the Eradicator Mini, and then the Eradicator technically spinning off into the Outsiders and things like that. And even though that's an interesting one, because obviously the Outsiders has always historically been yet another Batman book, but yet you had, you had basically a Superman character kind of leading the leading that team. But still, the idea with Superboy and Steel, it was all you know they're all Superman titles, really. Uh, if the if the market you know if the market really can support it and they and they and DC can justify it based on the sales that they get, then I guess it's probably not going to change. And obviously, at some point, if they if it's they put out too much product and people aren't buying it, then they'll ha- then they'll be pre- they'll be pressure to change. So I, I guess we're not at that point yet. Yeah, I'm only really reading two Bat books. One was just. Uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight, which is the Sean Gordon Murphy series, that uh, standalone series that he's been doing. And the new one I just picked up because I, I was like, you know what, I'll try the first issue just because I'll just because when we see what the art's like story, that new Harley book that just came out, that's actually pretty good. I like that first issue of that. So those are the only two things I'm reading. I have no interest in trying any of the other stuff until maybe, you know, Jeff Johns does his three jokers thing. You mentioned, uh, deceased figures. I didn't even know they were out. And I just, I'm looking at the four of them now, Harley bats, soups and Joker. I think they, I think they either just announced it today or yesterday. I just happened to see the article on it. Um, these are just zombie DC characters. I, I, they there better be another wave of this, and that wave better have Green Lantern, Black Canary in it. Because uh, yeah, that's that's well, you're basically you're making zombified versions of these characters. Why not make a figure of the new character or new version of a character that you created with with Green Lantern, Black Canary? I just mm, okay, whatever. <clears throat> 
I could have gone into a rant about that, but I'm not. <laughs> you'll, you'll save the rant for another time. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's, that's going to kind of put a cap on that. Uh, now to talk about Green Lantern number 12. <laughs> Which was not nearly as bad as I feared it might be. I'm sorry. From getting an answer perspective, it kind of falls in line with exactly what we expected, which was we don't get still don't get much of an explanation. We get some we get some bare bones explanation, but as far as but not a whole lot. But it was it was a strict it was a mostly a straightforward read though. Uh, for I the thought, most part, yeah. And, and I and I think whenever you whenever you dial Morrison down to at least seven or eight there, and you don't and you kind of get more of a straight storytelling uh, perspective, I think that. That makes for an enjoyable issue, at least, or a more enjoyable issue from my perspective. So, Return of the Qua Man, Hal Jordan and his antimatter counterpart, Pons, in the endgame of the Cosmic Controller. So, uh, we open up with Hal heading towards the Nozone, the planet Werewim, and he is speaking with uh, Powerwing, which is the we when he went into the to the ring world or whatever uh the kind of uh sentience or whatever of the power ring within his ring uh speaking with her um it was a her that's how it manifested right yes i believe so yeah as he's uh heading down to the planet to face his antimatter doppelganger uh on his way down there uh while he's on his way down there we see uh lantern true uh and uh two tubin Lantern True is uh, comforting Tubin, who looks like he's dying, while the um, Claw Man is uh, hand uh, gripping or killing Lantern uh, Buzb uh, B Z Z B. I guess we finally get a name uh, as uh, uh, Lantern Stell or his disembodied head uh, squeaks out. Um, Lantern True lights up to try and get some. Uh, vengeance up against the Claw Man. He immediately knocks her right back down, says he'll kill you. Uh, this is when Hal Jordan comes in, and uh, him and the Claw Man get into a big fight. Uh, the Guardians contact True and say the Guardians are never far away. Lantern True help is on its way. Um, they dispatch a crew of five lanterns <laughs> <laughs> to help with this. Um I recognize uh, all of these lanterns in some way. I, I know Metaphil right off the bat. The six-armed woman, I know that's somebody. The redhead with a ponytail, I know that's somebody. We obviously figure out the, who the middle guy is, and I'm pretty sure I recognize the blue guy. Uh, but then again, uh, the uh, the Guardians are talking underneath that, saying uh, that the Quaman is a... Um, Pawn of a strategist, uh, controller moves, endgame draws near. Um, uh, one of the guardians says, I explained to Jordan for the first time in your life, we need to do exactly as you were told. The rest, Lantern Jordan, the rest will be up to you. Um, they're fighting, uh, him and, uh, Hal Jordan and the Quaman are fighting one another, still going back and forth suddenly. Um, uh, right as the Quaman is on top of Jordan, getting the better of him. Uh, he suddenly knocked off of his feet, uh, and uh, it's Sinestro. Uh, and he says, they're those uh, scorpedoes, scorpion torpedoes, guys, um, <laughs> aren't going to hold him for long. Uh, we need to uh, take him out before his self-repair system 
kicks in, and basically we're going to accomplish this by hitting him over and over again. The Qualman is Antimatter Incarnate from the Antimatter Universe. What do we know about uh, what happens in comics when positive matter and antimatter come into contact with one another? They destroy one another. The only reason that hasn't happened yet is because between Hal and the Quaman, both of their respective force fields are keeping them from physically touching one another and destroying one another. Uh, it's during this explanation that we figure out that this is Thal Sinestro of the Anti-Universe, not our Sinestro. Spelled differently, uh, too. <laughs> His first uh, name. One L. Yeah. yeah. One, one, one A. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Um, he, uh, he, uh, while they go in to take care of the Qua Man, uh, Hal and Sinestro, uh, we find out that Sinestro is, uh, going to kind of take the Qua Man back to his universe to get paid. Uh, almost as much as the Black Stars paid me to lure him to this planet in the first place. So not only is, is Sinestro there to get rid of the Quaman, he's also responsible for bringing him into the picture in the first place. Uh, after this uh, explanation, uh, the Quaman touches Sinestro, and Sinestro is down for the count. Uh, I am assuming maybe dead. Uh, I forgot already. Uh, we'll get to there. Um and Hal uh, continues just to keep hitting the Quaman. Lantern True joins the fight. Stell tries to join the fight just by <laughs> lifting his middle finger and pointing. pointing Stell really gets the crappy end of the stick all the time. He's he is he is like the Arkillo of, of the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> uh, this was when Lantern True's uh, uh, sector partner. Uh, comes into the picture. Lantern talks. She thought he was dead. Uh, he joins the fight. Hal uh, gets the better of the Quaman. Starts just mercilessly, mercilessly, uh, whatever, pounding the crap out of his face. His bloody knuckles. Everything. His personal uh, power shield is at ten percent, two percent, so on and so forth. Um, uh, talks picks up truly a true. And says, uh, he explains his return, says we're born with nine lives. Um, and that Lantern Floozle Flim is sending him into, or sending True into his sleep until they can reach a medical facility. Um, the other Lanterns try to get Hal off. Uh, Chrysalon, uh, says that, uh, he, the, uh, the Quaman's still moving. He jumps in front of the way. And it's not Chrysalon. Uh, it's changing, uh, shape. And as he's changing shape, um, uh, Metaphil says, look up into the sky. And this is when Superwatch, the members of Superwatch come flying in to take care of Quaman as Hal is looking down on the former Chrysalon, who is now revealed to be a Durlin. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and we both have horrific flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, whose dirty duty was to protect him. It's the, uh, it's the Black Star way. Um, Hal Jordan is uh, in a bubble, and this is when, uh, with the other Lanterns, uh, the Superwatch is taking care of the Quaman, who they have teamed up with uh, Borderman. Uh, oh, yeah, and then Sinestro tries is not dead, I forgot. Uh, try, it comes to, says it's a trick, it's one of them, it's the Quamaster. Um, the Quamaster reaches down to Sinestro 
Hal tries to do something. Suddenly he's sucked out of there. Everybody's wondering where he's gone. Um, evidently the, uh, Durlin sacrificed, um, uh, their life to, uh, equip Hal with a Zeta beam transmitter that just saved him. So he was Zeta beamed out of there. I.e. the trans, uh, the transportation device that Adam Strange uses to get around the universe. Um, this is when he he's put in front of the uh, rest of the Black Stars, um, including uh, uh, Belzebeth. It's revealed that um, Controller Moo is not dead. In fact, Controller Moo has several bodies. I think that's something we kind of called. Uh, Hal Jordan is apparently, um, what was the number? Uh, four minutes and 38 seconds from his death. Um, they are in, uh, are they in the bleed? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Controller Moo is revealing his plan for the most part. He's saying, before you die, I, we wish to show you what we have made. Piece by piece, we have assembled the ultimate machine, the first of its kind. Five will-powered components, remember? One Venturan Luck Dial, one Arun Star ba- uh, Band, one Antimatter Battery, Plus the supreme example of psychotechnology this universe has to offer the one Green Lantern ring. The precise operation of which you demonstrated with spectacular results on RAN. Hal says it's only four. Controller Moo says, think Black Star Parallax. The U-bomb we made you disarm told us everything we needed to know about the unique bond you share with your power ring. Come now, you must have guessed. The fifth component is you. In the language of the lost monitor race that forged these as weapons during God War One, it's it is Gadgetola, Genesis Box, the Absolute, Ultimate Destroyer, Supreme Maker. We call it the Miracle Machine. A single thought, one solitary wish, and everything changes in accordance with will. The entire universe will be remade with a word. We coordinated the death of worlds to orchestrate this moment. We organized the fall of champions and unleashed an antimatter demon. We shaped events around you on a scale you are too small and short-lived to grasp. All this to make this moment a plan. The plan took seconds to conceive. It will change the stars forever. We control you as you control your ring. You are the trigger we pull. Yes. And he's talking about how his ring's out of juice. And he responds, except for that special final iota always kept in reserve. The antimatter war will destroy everything. You'll die here and now unless we are Moo's uh, will in action. Moo's will be done. Peace and universal harmony can be ours at last. All you need to do is wish the wish of controller Moo. Once a black star, always a black star. And it's supposed to be continued in Black Stars number one on sale in November. Meanwhile, in the epilogue in the antimatter universe, the Quaman is uh, repairs are complete. He says he rises reborn, a weapon near six 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 Hal Jordan, uh, and it says, "Yeah." Uh, he says, uh, "Let me return uh, soon, Sector Dictator, um, but not alone. Arise, weaponeers." And he says, uh, it, the, we have a crew of them lifting their thunderbolts, and they all say, exterminate. Uh, actually, they say, hate. 
death, kill, and pain. You must not miss the Green Lantern season two coming in 2020. Sorry for going into literal reading there towards the end, but since it's the end of the season and the machinations of Controller Moo's plan have been mostly revealed at this point, I figured should probably read it verbatim instead of just trying to interpret it. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, like you said, pretty straightforward. Not a lot to have to um, research or anything here. I did like the, I mean, as, as much as it gave us <laughs> horrible flashbacks, I did like the Durlin reveal because they, that was a character that they showed us and then just never showed us again. Like, where did she go? <laughs> and there's a reason that they showed us showed us uh, this character and then just kind of disappeared her because she was somebody else. So that's kind of cool. And that, that also then also um, explains the whole traitor situation that they're, they'd said earlier in the series that there has to be a traitor somewhere in the Lantern Corps. So that was cool. Yeah, if you have to throw a Darlin in, I guess that's the best way to do it. <laughs> really Darlin. Uh, <laughs> uh uh, the art was was good. There were so many action panels and and pretty focused on on Hal and the Claw Man. I can't really. Uh, I'm not saying it was bad uh, even in those parts. I'm just saying usually there's like uh, some stuff, especially in in recent issues where you know uh, Liam Sharp just goes crazy in the background or something, and you know he gets some really good times to shine, especially with that double page spread where he's where Hal is uh, hitting Quaman for the first time. That's pretty detailed. It's a big double page spread, all that stuff. So it's not like he doesn't have his moments, but there's not a ton of hyper detailed backgrounds or anything like that. We've seen recently from sharp. So while I still enjoy the art, while it's still on par and being, and being really well done. And obviously the architecture of this sort of dead world uh, is is being you know really twisted and and there's some detail placed in there. It's just not as much as we're used to lately. So while I can't call it worse than other issues, it's just there's not as as much scenery for me to chew on uh, in terms of artistic appreciation. I guess. I get what you're saying. I think that's true. I I, I think the art was solid. I don't I don't know if there was anything that really stood out to me as any as spectacular. But it was good. Uh, it was not. It was not bad. It kind of. It kind of puts Hal obviously in a position with the uh, almost like being pulling pulling a Wanda with the no more mutants thing and creating the whole a whole new universe that, though of course is not entirely, clearly of his, crea- his image. He's creating it. He's he's the trigger. He's the one making it real. But it's not his idea. I, I don't know. I. It doesn't make me that much more excited looking forward to the Black Stars. <laughs> but we only have about three issues of that, so I, I guess that's not so bad. Yeah. Um, I've never read Final Crisis. Um, this is clearly I, – I looked up the Miracle Machine. Obviously, I know at least that part of it from some research. So it looks like it, re- retroactively – this is the origin of the miracle machine as seen in final crisis that Superman finds in the future. 
So this is its origins of the machine that you is later used and featured in Final Crisis. They are one in the same. There are not multiple miracle machines or anything, evidently. So I never read Final Crisis. Lucky Did you. Did you? Unfortunately, yes. Okay. Do you want to tell anybody from personal experience anything about the miracle machine? No. Because all I know is basic stuff that I found on the internet in an article. Asking me to have to re- – trying to recap anything of relevance in Final Crisis is going to be very – very difficult for me because <laughs> it did it, it did very i thought final crisis i probably was less confused at the time because of the fact that it was fresh I, I i don't remember i remember moments in in final crisis i don't remember much of you know i remember dark side coming back i remember flash coming back batman getting zapped with the omega beams uh the whole waste of making about the alpha lancers <laughs> Uh, Which is interesting because when you see the the Claw Man fully repaired, it almost looks like they put a battery in his chest. <laughs> yeah, kind of, sort of, but the, even though the the real battery is what above him. Uh, yeah. Which is interesting because that same battery is in that is in that scene right, that panel right when uh, they're explaining the uh, the miracle machine to Hal that they're looking at the bottom of that page that that is the same battery. Yeah, they said one antimatter right. battery. So it's, it, 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 I'm sure that you know the, the nice little com- the, the nice little contrast there with uh, cut, the way they cut to those pages, seeing the one that is actually being used the way it's supposed to being used. Which being looks used. like which looks like Kyle's battery. I mean, in, yeah, there's in a, a sim- way. yeah, there's a sim- there's a similar weird handle shape to it. Um, so yeah, I, I I definitely do not want to have to try to recap Final Crisis, but it's. Is it, was it Final Crisis where Superman made some sort of a whistle thing? Isn't that how he saved the universe? And I, I would assume that's that's the wish and the, that's how it's say the Miracle Machine or whatever he used it to save the universe. Is, is am I somewhat right? Because you might you might be right. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm guessing that might have been what what the final issue with the stu- with the stupid yeah. vampire thing. I don't know. It's all it's Final Crisis was so. I don't know. It just seemed like it was just. I know some people. It was so a decade ago. Yeah, it, that, <laughs> yes, it, it, it definitely was, and it's and to me it was so not memorable, and it was so only memorable because of the fact that it was a mess, as opposed to let's say Infinite Crisis, which was which I thought Infinite Crisis was really good. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. Um. There's already so much referencing and stuff that's done in the series. If you're familiar with Final Crisis, if you've read it, if you remember it, and you remember the Miracle Machine, this is the one and the same. And this is the origins of said Miracle Machine. Just FYI. That's, that's I guess, that's really the only important part here. Um, see Final Crisis again, if you want, to uh, figure out the potential this machine may have and where Grant could possibly be going with this. But there you go. Um... I'm trying to think of. I just I just saw this as I'm looking at Final Crisis, and it's on Wikipedia, which means that there's no way to believe it's necessarily true. But I just I this thing about dark. I, the only reason it caught my eye is because what we're talking about, which, which related to the mirror, 
miracle machine. It says, Dark Side's dying essence is still dragging all of reality, reality into nothingness along with it. Time and space break down as the effect worsens until eventually only Superman is left in the darkness at the end of creation, struggling to complete a copy of the miracle machine, a wish-granting machine shown to him by Brainiac 5 during his trip to the future. So it may not necessarily, according to this, be the actual machine. It's a, it's a copy. Uh, I meant the one that Brainiac 5 showed him. Right, but it still says he's trying to complete a copy. Right, he's trying to copy what Brainiac 5 showed Correct. him. Correct, yes. Yeah, I'm just saying that the miracle machine that Brainiac 5 showed him specifically... Should be this one, yes. Should yes. be this one, yep. yes. Yeah. Um, unless... Yeah. But the, the, no, the, that that's sounds the, right, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. Um, you did. You, you kind of said it. it. It's pretty straightforward. We talked about Stell getting the short end of the, of the stick. What do you think of Anti-Universe, uh, the Sinestro here? Uh, that was a nice touch that it wasn't our Sinestro. That it, that I thought that was a nice touch because that kind of was left in the air when we – it was all, like everything else because we only saw him, what, briefly in the beginning of last issue? Uh, so well, we also saw him um, – on in that issue in the Green Lantern uh, Green Arrow issue, briefly, remember he was on the planet with um, uh, with the guy that sent the the being to Earth to to snipe. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Remember that towards the end of that issue. All right, yeah, I do kind of I do kind of remember that now. But in this arc, yeah. but in this arc itself, with the other all the people from the different universe that. Yeah, I, I thought that was a nice touch in the fact that basically, he, even in the, even being in the op, in, almost like in a Bizarro World version of, of Sinestro, he's still not really a good guy. He's just kind of like, he, he might be like a rapscallion, but he's still not really a good guy. <laughs> that was a nice, I thought that was a nice touch. It took him long enough, I mean, it took him long enough to, to, for us to actually have any real serious Sinestro interaction, because my God, when you think about it, which is a nice, on one level, it's a nice change of pace, but we really haven't seen Sinestro in any way, in any serious way, shape, or form since what the, in a regular Green Lantern book, since what the first arc of Hal and the Core, right? Yeah, that's fair. So, um, so, so even though again, it's still and it's still it's an asterisk because now we know it's not really our Sinestro anyway, but it, it kind of it's it's kind of cool. I'd be interested to revisit these twelve issues later on. Um, down the road on the show to see how they all um, kind of coalesce because you, and it's very interesting because you mentioned Van Jensen earlier in the episode. I seem to remember, and it's not like we were bashing on his series, but we weren't as excited about his series and stuff. At least me personally, uh, I should, I should clarify that. I personally wasn't as excited with his Green Lantern core series but I did feel a bit like a wave of sort of retroactive hindsight 2020 excitement after speaking with him. Not that, I mean, obviously part of the equation is the fact that he's a good guy. We had a great conversation with him. He was extremely nice. Uh, and it was just a fun, a fun talk. But when he started going into detail about all the research he did and all these references that he was making that either we didn't pick up on the t- at the time or whatever. I was able to retroactively appreciate his series a bit more. Like, wow, now that I know how much research he did, how much time he spent on it, I can then maybe go back and take a look at all this stuff. So now that 
the the problem I have though is this series so far has come out with a trade with, with with a trade and it's a hardcover of the first six issues. I try for the most part not to buy hardcovers anymore. So that means if I want this series in trade form, I still have to wait. What is it, Mark? Usually like maybe six months after the hardcover comes out before we get the actual trade. Is that the about the timetable? I think that could be that could be correct. I'm not as I'm not as locked in with that as I used to be, uh, knowing you know, if if yeah. the pattern has changed. But it sound it sounds right to me. So safe yeah, at earliest estimate, it's very likely I probably won't be able to get these twelve issues in trade paperback form to revisit until this time next year, if not later. Because then we have to assume, okay, does because the first six issues came out in hard hardback, does that mean the next volume will also be in hardback? They do tend to do that, but there have also been instances in DC's past where the first volume will be hardcover. It doesn't sell well enough, so they decide that the next volume that they'll release, they'll release the next volume, but they're just going to go straight to trade paperback in that in that instance. Best case scenario time-wise, you're probably realistically looking at this time next year to have Volume 1 and Volume 2 of Grant Morrison's run in trade paperback form. I know I have the issues digitally. I know I have them um, uh, in hard copy. By the way, the uh, it's been a while since I uh, explicitly desired to purchase the variant cover of a one of these Green Lantern issues. Issue 12 is one where I'm going to be getting the variant, by the way. Uh, the one with uh, all beaten up and bloody, almost zombie-looking Hal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get that one. Um, and as even though I have the digital issues, even though I have the hard copy issues, for me, if my goal is to read something at a chunk to see how it reads back to back to back, there's something a bit more cohesive about just turning the page and there's the next issue. I don't having to close the digital copy and open up the next digital copy or close the issue and go grab the next issue and, and do that whole process. There's something about that. Even if it's momentary, that brief pause that's just kind of almost ruins the effect for me. So I'd be interested to return to this, these 12 issues when they're in trade paperback form and I can read them all at a clip with the benefit of hindsight plus all the research and references that we figured out after the fact, rereading these and all at a clip and seeing how it, how it all digests in, in that, in that light. Or whether it gives you indigestion. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I, I, I'd be, I'd be curious and maybe, you know, uh, we can do uh, Grant Morrison Green Lantern season one one year later. Retrospective. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> that's a dirty word. We don't want to yes, use yes. that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll pencil in right after the Jeff Johns retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd, tr- I'd really be interested to see how it all pans out after the after that fact. So. Um, and just just how it reads at that clip, because I mean it would it would just have to be better. Well, don't you think? You know, you you have just enough time between it. 
you you've already done the research that you didn't do uh, prior to reading all that stuff. So you're you're going in again with knowledge that you didn't have before. Um, you know, you're able to read it back to back to back in in sort of this season that it's meant to be in. You just thinking of it in the future, I feel like it would almost have to be better than reading it real time. You like to think that way. I, I mean, it, 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 it's lots of reasons to believe that would be the case. Having it all in front of you is easier. And especially if you, if someone hadn't read it before, I think there's no doubt that it would read better for better, for, that you would get a better, a better, a better vibe off the uh, material. I think that way. We'll see. I'm not saying we can't revisit it. Speaking of season one, this was the last issue before uh, the Black Star stuff stops. What do you think of the arc entire, the season entire? It was a little uneven. Uh, On that level, I guess it did play like a TV show. It kind of plays like The Flash on that level, having different, having mini arcs inside, mini arcs inside the big arc that all, you know, be all encompassing. We end up coming back to coming back to Moo at the end, even though you know he actually hasn't been a presence in the book for like the last what's five or six issues. Uh, I still think it's still o- overall it's better than I thought th- than it was going to be, and my interest in this book is greater than I thought it was going to be when it was first announced. So I'm I'm I am interested in seeing where where it's going to go, but. I still wish there was more Green Lantern stuff that I actually that appealed to me in this. And I, I the here here's here's a pro, to me here's a problem with calling them seasons is that then you almost are guaranteed to have every, the whole each twelve issues basically being telling one big story, even if some of the individual even if there's smaller arcs inside it that are almost independent, but and just and can but it's it's like it's going to begin and end with the same, the same idea or the same plot that you're having to resolve. And when you're doing normal, when you're not uh, packaging it as a season, that's not what you have usually. Usually you'll have a three-issue arc, a four-issue arc, and then you move on to the next arc and the next arc, and then maybe yeah, ne- maybe sometime next year something that they touched upon this year will come back because that's just the way you build in comic books. But the idea that oh you know this, the, the first twelve issues was all about controller move, and then we don't know what's going to happen at the end in the Dark Star mini is that going to resolve the controller move storyline or is that going to just put us back to a position where we begin season two with con- still dealing with the controller move stuff and and still knowing that we have to deal with uh you know the Quaman and all that crap so I I don't know. Um, I I agree with you fundamentally because that kind of aligns with some of the stuff I've said in the past on the show. At the same time, though, I have less of a problem with it because of how Morrison has handled it. Because just like you said, it's this all these twelve issues. It's it's a Moo storyline. That being said, there were several issues that felt standalone. They, they, you know, it, they're 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 piecemeal part of con- Controller Moo's larger uh, plan and scheme, but they still, reading wise, felt like either single or double issue arcs or something like that. So I still got that feeling 
without feeling like I was reading issue one through 12, all about Mu, all about learning his plot, and everything is so obviously connected to it that you just feel like from 12, from one to 12, you're getting a solid story 100% all the way through. Whereas here, it felt sort of piecemeal along the way, only to be tied in later on. I can see that perspective, too. All right. Uh, Anything else you want to say about uh, issue 12 or the series entire, Uh, which includes, the, I guess, that annual we got? I I would give it like a B or a B plus. I would probably, if I had to give it a grade, the overall... You know, first year under Morrison. Let's see how. I mean, it's still impressive on one level that Morrison's sticking around for another one. <laughs> yeah. Though we don't. Though again, we technically speaking, we don't know if he's at. It sounds like since they're since they're categorizing these as seasons, you would assume he's going to stick around to the end of the quote unquote season. But we don't necessarily know that. I guess maybe maybe that's one positive if you wanted to frame it that way, since people usually don't cut cut bait and run off a, off a series in the, mil- in the middle of the year uh, from a writing perspective. Usually it's after the season's over with that they're going to leave. So it's probably a, it's a, reason, a reasonable assumption that he's going to probably stick around for at least including the Black Stars three-issue thing that we've done. He's probably going to stick around at least for like another close to 15 books. But, but, we'll, but we'll see. I, I do wish we had a little either another Green Lantern book or something else that was a little more Green Lantern-y from stuff that I, I'm i kind of used to or prefer. But we'll see. Uh, he's He's been bringing in... He has been bringing in some so many references to other characters that who knows, maybe we'll actually see, uh, see some variations on the theme, at least, of some of the characters that we've seen a lot of over the last, you know, five, five to ten years, and maybe he'll do it... Maybe he will meet will be interested in doing a take on some of these or working them into a plot somehow, so more airwave. <laughs> I could I could yeah. deal I could deal with more more airwave. And don't forget, you know, we've also got Green uh, or Justice League, Justice League Odyssey, Titans and stuff to catch up on. Young Justice, all that good stuff. So Yeah, at least uh at least our favorite kitty cat's gonna be in Justice League Odyssey. Yay. <laughs> hey, it's something, man. Mm. All right. Uh, reunited and it feels so good. Is that? Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> so to see. It's hard to say to, to, to no one's surprise because they certainly did a good job at one way or the other at making, pe- you know, the way things are playing out, making people think that, hey, you know, this might actually stick. But just just when you're pretty much willing to uh Bet the mortgage that this is a done deal. Of course, like going back to this, what we talked about originally, relax. <laughs> the, the wisdom of Aaron Rodgers, relax. So Marvel and Marvel slash Disney and Sony came to an agreement, which at least a temporary agreement, which which raises which is another whole raises another specter of something to discuss. The idea, but for now, more you know. Feige will be producing the third Spider-Man movie, so we will get a complete trilogy with Feige producing a, a complete trilogy, basically that still have retained its ties to the MCU. Maybe how much it remain, you know, how much it's going to be tied, we'll see. And so Marvel, what they get, Disney gets for 25% now of the gross, 
and they put and they put up 25% of the cost. And they, now they get to use Spider-Man at least in one more MCU movie based on the current deal. But you assume probably won't be happening for a while. I think that's probably a safe bet because if you only if you only knew for a fact you had Spider-Man one more time currently you certainly don't want to piss him away in something that's not really important. Oh. Uh, but again, that raises a lot of questions about whether whether this is just delaying the inevitable, whether this seemed like the the wise move on everybody's <clears throat> on everybody's part, just because, especially with home with Far From Home, that Spider Man that tied it so much into the MCU and Tony Stark's legacy that having that sudden divorce was going to be a lot harder to deal with than at least if you knew you were going to be breaking up then you had time to prepare for it and prepare everybody else for it too. So that remains to be seen whether that's really what's going to be happening as far as Spider-Man 3 goes, whether it's going to be still moving towards separating them but making it happen more naturally and making and preparing people for it more or whether this is just a basically whether this will be a blueprint for a deal going forward even if the deal is maybe not as concrete that you know maybe Feige's not going to be producing all of them or maybe he's going to you know I, I think the one thing that the one thing that was a little interesting was the fact that they they on the positive side they did get him for another MCU movie but it is a little interesting that they only got him for one MCU movie so which is better than they had because in a way it's kind of like they essentially like renegotiated their contract because the whole point was but the existing contract, if they both walked away from it, Feige had the right to produce a third Spider-Man movie, but they weren't going to do it based on – seemingly they weren't going to – they were not going to do it based on the current uh, arrangement. They, they thought that wasn't really profitable for them or worth the effort of – you know, with everything on Feige's plate probably. And they had, they had already used up all of the MCU appearances – that under the original contract, so in a way, you know, even short-term Marvel comes out the winner in this deal, probably ultimately, because they get they get one more appearance out of Spider-Man that they wouldn't have had if the original contract were just to continue. And then they dealt with this like in a couple like a couple of years once the third Spider-Man movie come out came out. So that's so that's 2021, which is as people pointed out an interesting little unless they moved unless they change some release dates, that's going to be the first year with four MCU movies. Because you're going to have Shang-Chi, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Thor all in the same year. Which I don't think will be a real problem for them since three of the four are big are big characters and will be highly anticipated movies anyway. But the, I think it's also interesting that the story that came out well, uh, t- pretty much today about how t- Tom Holland supposedly, rumor has it, was the one who really helped broker – get get them back to the table to – that he really appealed to Iger and to uh, Sony's head to say, no, we really should keep this going. I really, you know, Spider-Man really should still be part of the MCU. Can't you guys try to f- make another effort to try to to negotiate and get something done? Yeah, um, I personally, uh, I mean, I, this is just more. Uh, we're just more just saying, you know, talking about the announcement and you know, yay, it's back. So the only speculation I would have is what that MCU movie he'd be a part of is. And personally, and this is just an off the off the cuff gut reaction, 
I hope it's something involving the Fantastic Four. I want to say the Fantastic Four movie, but because FF has so much work to do in terms of kind of restoring the brand uh, from the uh, other three movies that had come out prior to it, I feel like maybe throwing Spider-Man in there would maybe distract too much. But, I mean, just... In terms of where I what I, what I want to see from Spider-Man in the MCU, I'd really like to see you know him like glom on to Reed as uh, you know as I don't know a Tony Stark surrogate or you know just kind of really because we saw we saw uh, the admiration and stuff and and the sort of almost mentorship that Tony had for Spidey, but we never really saw the two work together tech or you know scientifically. I'd like to see that realized in Reed, you know, because he does have that relationship with the FF. You know, um, Johnny is like a brother to him in in some cases. So I'd like to see that brother relationship that he and Johnny have. I'd like to see that mentor and sort of sciency relationship that Peter and Reed have. I know that um, that Spidey and Ben get along really well. Um, you know, I don't know what I would compare their relationship to. I, th- the joke obviously is to say a surrogate uncle Ben, <laughs> but <Oy. laughs> you know, um, but, but there's just, there's so much potential in having, cause you remember, you know, he, he was even uh, in the comics at some point, he was a part of the FF at one point. So, I mean, I just, I feel like, where in the MCU or where the MCU is going, where would it make the most sense or where would you have the most potential for story or characterization or whatever? Obviously, the I, the, the rumor out there is, well, maybe they're going to kill him at some point or figure out some way to get him out of the universe uh, uh, properly so they don't have to worry about you know re- renegotiating time and time and time again. But assuming we don't kill him or try and figure out a way to get him out of the universe – my pitch is that we see him heavily involved with the FF could be the first movie. I think it could be a distraction from restoring that brand, but, or it could just be a FF heavy story. I don't think there's any way they're going to kill him because of the fact that so, I mean, technically he really belongs to Sony. He doesn't really belong to Marvel. Um, ultimately I Marvel the one who helped cast him and everything, but still his contract really is with Sony. So Sony would be stupid to want to re- recast Spider-Man for like a friggin' fourth time when people seem to really like Tom Holland. Plus, they purposely cast somebody friggin' young enough so you could pl- so this guy can play this role for over ten over ten years without even getting to the point where like, all right, he's getting a little too old. Plus, they're aging him. They're actually trying to age him a little bit in every movie. So the fact that he's not trying to, ha- you know, not like uh, <laughs> Tobey Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> trying to still play like a like a barely like just freshly at a like I just had a, a a college student Peter Parker when the guy's like pushing thirty five. <laughs> uh, I would suspect I can't help but think if they're going to use when when they use him next at the moment would probably probably be more of a Secret Wars or just another Avengers movie whatever which may be one and the same. Something like that, something bigger. It's got to be something big, I would I would say. I'm not saying Fantastic Four wouldn't work if they could come up, depending on how they're going to introduce the Fantastic Four, and that's the big if. We don't really know what they're going to do with the Fantastic Four, since there's so many rumors about the Fantastic Four, whether they're going to be, you know, whether they're going to be another kind of like, you know, kind of like 
uh, Janet Van Dyne kind of like lost. But she's in, were there other char- are they other characters that did exist, but kind of like disappeared, and we're talking almost like time lost based on where they are and then they can they come back, uh, or they it's uh, I don't know I think how they're going to get introduced is going to will, will greatly I think determine that we also don't know if they're going to be starting to introduce elements of that universe before we ever see them like we don't know if we're going to see Doctor Doom first or mm-hmm. hints of Doctor Doom first which would not be a bad idea to uh, if if and again this is all m- more speculation whether Doctor Doom is really going to be the earthbound baddie since we keep hearing there's going to be two there's going to be a cosmic level baddie and a earth level threat then lots of rumors that Doctor Doom is going to the Doctor Doom is going to be the Earth level threat, especially now, especially since they did not technically since Marvel and Sony have not come up with a new long term arrangement. You can take it to the bank that you can't that any even if they were entertaining the idea of it being Norman Osborn, they can't really do that because they don't know how long they're going to have Norman Osborn to use. And if they put too many eggs in the Norman Osborn basket, guess what? That gives Sony all the leverage. Please make Doom. Half genius scientist, half warlock. Well, that's why I'm thinking possibly maybe in in the Doctor Strange movie that day there could be an introduction of Doctor Doom, even if it's in like a post scene credit, because of the fact mm. you are dealing with magic and you're and and you're dealing with nightmare and things like that. That you could have that that could be an opening to at least introduce Doctor Doom on 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 some level. But yeah, Doctor Doom has so much potential. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Doctor Doom to be introduced. In, Interacting with another with other Marvel characters even before he deals with the Fantastic Four, uh, but we'll see. So that's what I would guess they're probably going to do with with, with Spider Man, and then yeah, as the, and obviously in about two years we'll we'll have a better idea. What we'll be we'll be dealing with the same thing again on some level in 2021 after you know the third Spider Man movie comes out. Then we'll then we'll at least we're going to have an idea because obviously Mar- you know Marvel has the has the ability to use him. It's not, we have not heard anything that they have a time frame on using him that they have to use him within like three or four years or anything like that. We have which makes sense that they just have a right to use him. But they're going to need a new. But if obviously if Marvel is going to be involved in 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 producing and financing any of the other any Spider-Man movies going beyond the third one, they're going to have to come up with a new contract. So at that point, we're going to have an idea probably of when, and who knows, maybe that's maybe Marvel's hedging their bets too. About first of all, we're, we're going to know a lot, I think, by what the plot of Spider-Man Three is. If Spider-Man Three really, really tries to dis- distance him from a lot of the elements of the MCU while not doing it necessarily completely, but really doing it, which they could very easily justify based on where that movie ended. And Spider-Man being on the run and Spider-Man having to, you know, if they do that, to me, that's probably a good indicator that at the very least, Marvel is is covering their own you-know-what and is prepared to, to lose Spider-Man. And more, they're more prepared now to do so. And if, they, and if they can't come up with a new arrangement, even if they're willing to try to, then it's going to be a good place to, to leave it and move on. If obviously Spider-Man 3 is even half as tied into the MCU as Far From Home was, then it's probably a safe bet that they're going to that they do want to continue the relationship and or they think that they're going to that Sony and them can come to another agreement. 
but we have a lot. A lot has to be worked out. We have to see what. We also have to see what the MCU looks like by then. You know, all, all it all it takes is for the Eternals not to do as well, or, or Shang Chi not to do as well, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe you know, so the 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 driving factor for Sony to keep this going because of how much extra money and publicity and uh, you know the afterglow they get to bask in because it's related to the MCU, if that might not be as important to them if it seems like the bloom is off the rose. And for more, I mean, it made more, both needed each other. It's as ridiculous as it got to this point, like we talked about before. I mean, even like we talked about, even before it became a story that they were that they were splitting up, the idea that it made no sense for them ever not to re- redo an agreement, even though they technically just it's more like I said, it's more it's more like giving it adding one year to a contract. It's kinda of like almost like a contract extension than giving somebody a new contract because it's so closely it's just just a little teeny bit more than what was already there, but it's not for any huge length of time. That it never made any sense for them to split because they're both getting something from it. Marvel does Right now, Marvel would be, would have been stupid to not to really try to keep Spider-Man because they, you don't know what they what they have because they are kind of rebuilding from the ground up. So you don't know what the MCU is going to look like even after 2020, let alone 2021. Yes, you have Doctor Strange, which seems like it's a slam dunk, and you have Thor, and you assume Black Panther will be successful, things like that. But the new things that they're trying to push, we have no way of knowing if that's going to work. We have no and and losing Spider-Man after losing Cap and Iron Man would be I mean that's that's pretty that's that would the timing would would have been exceptionally poor for that not to have that as an ace in the hole. So, but I guess yeah. We'll, yeah we'll we'll see we'll see how it pans out but at least but at least for now you know at least for now it's you know it's it's good news and that's that's the thing at least we'll, well at least we have a couple of years before we really have to worry about this again and. And we knew we knew that there was time to get this done because we, based on the pattern of making these movies, yes, two years from the from the release of Far From Home made sense because that was because it was two years after uh, Homecoming. But we also know that they've they've felt they've they've uh, shot these movies pretty quickly. That I believe both of these movies shot in, like around in Octoberish of the year before they were coming out. So we knew basically they based on the continuing that pattern. That they were going to have until like the fall of next year before filming had to begin, so they pretty much had some time to, if, even if they had to rework the script. Plus, there probably were at least some initial discussions even before they split or where the third movie was going to go. Spider-Man Three, Clone Saga, calling it now. Homeless. <laughs> <laughs> Clone Saga. Bring in Ben Riley. Explains why Spider-Man's off the hook. We're in. Let's do it. <laughs> oh man! Uh, as much as I would like to see a version of that at some point, that is such an such a that has become such a convoluted, a convoluted and complicated story that. And don't forget, plus in this universe, there's no there's no Gwen Stacy, and even though they could they obviously could tweak the story, but Gwen Stacy was so critical to the to the Clone Saga. I don't know. I it, and and that's that's a that's a slip that's a slippery slope, man. That 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 I know. Whether your tongue was somewhat in cheek or not, the reality is that that the at least the modern version of the Clone Saga, as opposed to like the original one that ran like uh, through like Amazing Spider-Man 149, 
that the the newer version of that and the whole BS about oh Ben Riley's the real Spider Man is like hey guess what people hate that idea okay Ben Riley's not the real Spider Man <laughs> uh, even though Ben Riley was cool and that costume was awesome the Ben Riley Spider Man costume still remains one of the better Spider Man costumes but still I don't know the Jackal would be a cool villain though because they have ne- they've never gone down they've never gone down that road. Uh, we said it. We said it at the at the end of our review. You know who it's got to be. Who? Craven. Craven. Craven would make a lot. A hunter. Yeah, Craven would make the most sense. <laughs> Unless they wanted to go with like uh, you know the spider slayers and or the well the scor- see the scorpion and raise this. The Scorpion is a possibility too, even though the Scorpion we know on 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 the bit he is like a B level Spider-Man villain. He's not an A level, but the reason why he could be maybe if they're going to go with more than one is the fact that they have already introduced a guy who technically would be playing the Scorpion, and we know J. Jonah Jameson was behind the creation of the Scorpion in the comic books. So it's not like the, but we'll see. I, I'll just be. I I just hope they, that Michael that uh, Michael Keaton comes back at some point. Huh. Sinister Six. All right. Uh, so we have a two-minute, one-second trailer to talk about. Two twelve. I'm on Warner Brothers Pictures. Well, I've, I clicked on the link you gave me. Oh. Um, it says two twelve. Wasn't giving me the right link, so I just looked it up on the WB Pictures YouTube page. I don't know why it wasn't working for me when I clicked on it. Let's see. Technical difficulties. Hold on. All right. So, which I guess if we're, if, if we're actually playing this and I'm playing mine to record, then I guess it technically really doesn't matter if we're a few seconds off. I mean, does not because the, the audio is eventually is still all going to be coming from one, so it'll. Let's see here. I've got it. We're getting it from One Media, the YouTube channel. Yes. Um, and so that's yes, the one you sent me. We are going to go ahead and hit play right about now. What a harlequin is. A harlequin's role is to serve. It's nothing without a master. No one gives two shits who we are beyond that. The Joker and I broke up. I wanted a fresh start. But it turns out, I wasn't the only dame in Gotham looking for emancipation. Spectacular news! Miss Queen, she brought me. Who are you guys? Here's the deal, Queen. You need me!
having a good time. Get ready, ladies. Oh, you're that psycho chick. I'd never call a woman a chick. I like said broad lady woman, but on occasion bitch. Bitch, what are you talking What's about? What's that for me, Oh yeah, Ewan McGregor. then, yes, Ewan McGregor is like the highlight of the trailer. Um, I forgot he he's was. He's playing Black Mask, right? Yes, I forgot he was even like like many other people. I forgot he was even in this movie till I saw the trailer. Uh, Chick playing um, um, Black Canary. It's beautiful. What's the cast on this sucker? I want to look at the cast for this movie. Just speaking of the cast, at the very end of that trailer, towards the end, it just kind of like bam, 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 shows a bunch of names. Right. That font, that text, I recognize that because when um, when um, James Gunn did his Twitter announcement of who has been cast for Suicide Squad 2 – the font that he used is that exact same font, which leads me to make the joke that this movie is labeled much the same way as the Lion King films. Suicide Squad equals Lion King one. This movie equals Lion King one and a half. <laughs> and then Suicide Squad two equals Lion King two. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, this is this is very clearly Suicide Squad one and a half, <laughs> sort of. That being said, I did kind of enjoy it. I know this is, I know this is getting a lot of flack from some people online. I, uh, I will, I will give it the benefit of doubt with this first trailer, and hold off judgment until I see the second or third, whichever you know, uh, whichever you know, however many trailers we get between now and the release of this film, because it's really realistically not that far away. Um, uh, I just, I wonder if this first trailer's point was because of the popularity of Harley Quinn, because of the popularity of Margot Robbie, <coughs> and all that just as as a way. It's called in the whatever Emancipation of Harley Quinn. I get that, but I wonder if the heavy focus on Harley Quinn in the trailer is to just kind of get it out there and kind of put their most well-known slash best face forward, and then the next trailers we're going to get more of the actual Birds of Prey because they've already set the set the stage and and gotten people interested with that first trailer. Unlikely, I know. I I I, I can see how this is very clearly going to be extremely Harley Quinn heavy. And it's everything the trailer says it's going to be. But I'm going to wait till the second trailer to see if they kind of switch things around and give us more Birds of Prey. Journey Smollett-Bell is the chick who's Black Canary, who was yeah. in – she actually was – I guess she was a little girl from Eve's Bayou hmm. or grown up. And actually she, she was also in True Blood, which might be where I recognize her from because she was on True Blood for it looks like two seasons. Um so we got Huntress, we got Black Mask, Harley Quinn, Renee Montoya, Black Canary. Oh, Cassandra Kane is the other person. Yes. The, so we do have a Batgirl in there. Did you see Victor Zaz in there? Yeah, I think he's the guy who gets his ball stomped on or whatever. That Chris, oh, Chris, that Chris, Chris Cena. Cena. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, so this is very – okay, so this Huntress, yeah, it would have to be. It can't be Earth Earth 2. 
Because it's 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 Helena Bertinelli, not Helena Wayne. Okay. I mean, they could have. I guess they, given how old Batman is in this quote unquote universe, it could be Helena Wayne. But I it, I guess it makes more sense to do Helena Bertinelli. Yeah, I was so I was pretty underwhelmed by this, but I'm not. I, this movie's not. I'm not in the wheelhouse of this movie anyway. I'm not the target audience for. For for Birds of Prey, I mean, I thought she was fine in in the Suicide and Suicide Squad, the new ones, the, the Suicide Squad. Uh, I thought she was fine in that movie. Obviously, we know she was heavily she was a character along with the Joker that they were pushing predominantly. I still think Deadshot kind of stole that movie, uh, considering. And so there's always a possibility that despite the fact that she is she is going to be the the draw in this movie, and her character is going to be so heavily. Uh, front in the you know being pushed to the front and and everything else is in the background. We'll have to see. I mean, we know Ewan McGregor is great in almost in almost everything, so he could you know he could steal out of the movie as Black Mask, and we'll have to see if uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is is good in most things. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see if some of these maybe there's somebody who will surprise us and become kind of like the breakout character, and not necessarily the character that they always want you to. No, they steer you towards. It is yeah. This movie what comes out in February, so it's not. It really isn't. That, you're right. It's not. It's not that far away. I don't know if this. I don't think the trailer overall was successful based on the overall reactions I've seen. Obviously, some people are always going to like it, and some people are always going to hate it. It just seems like a lot of people were not particularly impressed by it. And other people are already demanding the Snyder cut. <laughs> And I'm sure the Snyder cut of this would be more coherent than probably the one he would have given us of uh, Justice League if he ever had something fu- fully assembled and finished and ready to go, which he didn't. Uh, this is that William Shatner moment. Get a life. <laughs> the guy, um, it's the same guy you hated, you hated for for Man of Steel and for BVS. Oh, he would have been your savior, savior in Justice League. But then again, so what have you done for lately? world right that's why and not that i was one of these people but for all those people that hated george lucas and, and cursed him because of the pre the prequels they're the ones begging for george lucas who've been able to have been involved in episodes seven through nine um I, I i tell you this this trailer makes me want to pay attention a bit more to what gun is doing with suicide squad 2 um just because I, I, I know that he just finished like casting for it, but I wonder how much he has been involved in this movie, if at all. Timeline-wise, you'd think that maybe not at all, but I'm wondering. I'm I'm, I'm wondering if he didn't didn't have a hand in this film, or he was allowed some direction. Like, hey, Gunn, what are you what are you thinking about for Suicide Squad two? Let us know. We'll see what we can work into Birds of Prey for Harley. So I'm I'm wondering, I'm curious as to what influence Gunn has over this film, if any. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but um, and wait and see for a while, I guess, to see how you know what happens in this film carries over to Suicide Squad two. Um, but I, I mean, I, I wanted to talk about it because 
it's the next big DC movie that's coming out. And, you know, we're a DC centric show. We should definitely at least talk about it. Uh, given as much as we talk about Marvel, we should definitely at least talk about the new DC movies. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I just, I also wanted to talk about it because I, I personally did enjoy it as a trailer more than it seems the rest of the internet did. I didn't come away going, Oh, wow. It's going to be the best movie ever. But I did like it a, a bit more than I put it this way. I saw this and I thought, Oh, I'm going to like this more than I liked suicide squad. Now, that's a low bar for me personally, although I will say retroactively I enjoy Suicide Squad more after the fact than when it initially came out. Um, just, you know, it's I, I take it less seriously now. I don't have to look at it with a critical eye. It's just a fun popcorn movie I can put on, so I don't have to critique it as much. Maybe that's why I enjoy it more. But I feel like I'm going to like this more than I like Suicide Squad. And I've only seen one trailer of it. So I guess we'll see. Speaking of, we'll see. When you seen Joker? Hopefully this weekend. But my father's birthday is on the 4th, so which is the day this episode comes out. So depending on, you know, I've got a little one-year-old brother now. So depending on what the schedule is, if he wants to do something with or without the kid around, can the kid even be around depending on what he wants to do? I... My plan is to see it this weekend, but I honestly do not know for sure with my dad's birthday being so up in the air. I can understand that. I can understand that. I sh- I'm seeing it tomorrow, so if you see it, obviously, then then we'll discuss. But uh, I, what are your thoughts on that? Are you really looking forward to it? Or yours? I am. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked for it. I've been itching to go to see a movie uh, this past couple of weekends. I have been pretty close, but haven't yet. Uh, and obviously, I don't need to now that Joker's out. I was pretty close to going to go see Ad Astra. But, um, but yeah, now that Joker's out, that'll that'll satisfy my movie-going itch. Mm. Yep. So we'll see. I I I don't. I'm not really going in with expectations one way or the other. But that movie. Uh, I'm excited for it. It's going to be so unlike anything else. So that's why I don't. I don't know how how I'm going to react to it. He's. I mean, obviously, Joaquin Phoenix is a good actor. So. I don't. I don't have much doubt his performance is going to be good. I just don't know if it's going to do anything for me as far as the movie, or it's going to have any kind of appeal to me since it's not, and it's not in any way, shape, or form related to any Joker or Gotham or things that we really are used to seeing. So that could make it. That could make it special, but it also could make it kind of. I don't. know, You know what I mean? It could make it kind of from a. Could be a little. Make it a little dispassionate uh, on my end. So. But we'll see. Uh, yeah, and then we got that movie I talked about during the um, 2019 movies we're looking forward to, The Irishman. Irishman is getting some good buzz already, and I'm excited for that to come out. So there's at least at least a lot of stuff that's interesting coming out between now and the end of the year. So that, oh. that's that's so that is a that is a big plus. There'll be some there'll be some cool stuff to see. All right, want to tell people how they can reach us? Best way to reach us is lanterncast 
Cyclopedia.com. That is the website. That's the, so check out our new episodes, Ring Cyclopedia stuff. That is the best place to find us, probably generally speaking on the net. Lanterncast at gmail.com. That is the best way to contact us. Along with Twitter, I would suppose, Chad would say, but just from an from a just overall feedback and lengthy feedback perspective, the email, lanterncast at gmail.com is the best. Voicemail, 708 Lantern. We haven't had one of those in a while. Corwin! This is your time. Uh, speaking of Twitter, we're on Twitter and we are on Facebook, so you can use hashtag GLCast to locate us on those. And iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on. Please leave us a positive review. New listeners from Imager, if you discovered us and said you're going to start listening to the show because you saw the show mentioned on Imager, write in. But any of those ways Mark said, let us know. Give us some feedback. I told you guys to send us some feedback, and hopefully you do, because uh, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd be curious to see what you guys, how you guys came to the show, how you guys like the show. How you guys like Green Lantern, your experience with Green Lantern, what do you think of the current series, what your favorite series are. Just give us some feedback at all in any of those mentions above. And I guess we'll talk to you later, guys. Sounds good. Good night, everybody. Good night.